0: This episode of the TSN MMA show contains coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and no shortage of interviews to get to today on this week's show leading up to UFC 256. Myself and Bazooka Joe Valtellini, we will also have a podcast coming out today to preview UFC 256 and talk about all of the big stories in the world of MMA, and there has been no shortage of those either as the year winds down. Because we have two events left, UFC 256 and UFC Fight Night, Thompson versus Neal. But uh, also a lot of stories going on. We have the mutual parting of ways between the UFC and both Yoel Romero and Anthony Johnson. Johnson signing with Bellator. And as of the time of this recording, Yoel Romero apparently has several potential suitors. But let's talk about the interviews we have today. Because we have plenty of them. First, we'll start with uh, the assassin baby himself in the main event, the challenger. Brandon Moreno, looking to bring home the gold and become the first Mexican-born fighter to win a UFC championship, and uh, also the first Iridium Sports manager. I keep pushing this narrative of uh, Jason House, but the guy's a very hard worker, and uh, I think that uh, it's long overdue that he has his first champion, and I know that Alex Perez had that opportunity just three weeks ago, but now Brandon Moreno is the next person to have that opportunity to bring some gold home for the Iridium Sports management team. And then, co-main event, El Kikui will join us on the show today. Tony Ferguson, he has a lot to say. And he'll be taking on Charles Oliveira in the co-main event. Uh, one of the fights I'm most looking forward to this entire year. Um, if I were to rank them, this would probably be number two behind Gaethje and Khabib. Uh, this is just an unbelievable fight. It might be... Yeah, you know what? I think I, I, think I like this fight more than Gaethje versus Ferguson. Yeah, Gaethje versus Ferguson. It sounds weird to say that, but I, I love this fight. This is an excellent one. I'm looking forward to this. Just stylistically, I think it's going to be a really fun fight. doesn't have the storyline going into it or narrative, but that's not what this is always about. Sometimes you just want to see a good fight, good matchup. This is a great matchup because these guys are very similar, I find, and uh, both are good finishers. Both are very creative. That's, that's what I love about both Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira, two extremely creative mixed martial arts practitioners. Also on the card this week, the former heavyweight champion of the world, Junior Dos Santos, We'll be taking on Cyril Gane, uh, who a lot of people believe is one of the top prospects in the heavyweight division, coming out of France. Uh, another matchup with two very similar fighters. Both have great footwork, great boxing. I can't wait for this one. And Junior Dos Santos joins us on the show, as does 21-year-old Chase Hooper, coming off of his first UFC loss against Alex Serras. looks to get back in the win column against Peter Barrett. Slippery Pete. We'll see if Pete is slippery enough to evade the submissions of... One Chase Hooper, who hopes to be the next Demian Maya, he says in his own words, of the UFC. Now that Demian probably only has about one fight left, unless he's part of this, uh, you know, wave of, of fighters that they're releasing at this moment. Dana White recently saying that they're going to release, you know, 60 to 80 fighters. And uh, I don't know if Demian Maya has a future in the UFC, but we'll have to see about that. I think, you know, maybe if it's just one more fight, they'll roll with that. Coming off a win this past weekend, and. With the cherry on top being a Dirty Dancing homage, it's uh, Jordan Levitt, the Monkey King. Very exciting debut over Matt Wyman, who has subsequently retired from the sport. A very uh, vicious KO, which is not really uh, in Jordan Levitt's wheelhouse. He's more of a submission practitioner, but he slams Matt Wyman down to the canvas. Wyman goes out, and that's a wrap. And uh, Jordan Lovett said he cried afterwards because he felt so bad about the finish. This is a different kind of cat. I like Jordan Lovett I'm very excited to see his future in the UFC. And a fighter who was supposed to be on next weekend's card, the Canadian Misha Surkinov, one of the best Canadians in the sport right now, was supposed to phase off against Ryan Spann. Suffered an injury, uh, thankfully a short-term injury, that will keep him on the shelf until early next year, where he hopes to fight Spann. Uh, although Ryan Spann going on social media and saying that, uh, you know, he's not thinking about fighting right now, wants to be left alone. So we'll see what happens with that particular fight. But uh, Misha Surkinov, always a very thoughtful guest, and I'm looking forward to speaking with him. So that's that's what we have lined up for today. We'll start with our interview with the assassin baby, Brendan Moreno looking to become the next UFC flyweight champion this weekend at UFC 256. I'm now by the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno, or should we say Mexican McLovin? Which one are we going with?
1: Man, uh, Mexican McLovin is funny, but no, the assassin baby, please.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll go with the assassin baby then. Well, I always appreciate uh, your time, and I especially appreciate it today because uh, Cumpleaños Feliz, my friend. Happy birthday to you. I appreciate uh, your time.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I know it's this this birthday is like weird because I can't eat like something huge, like uh, a good cake or something like that, but I don't care. Uh, it's fine for that. First the belt, and then
0: we can celebrate. Well, I'm also sure you didn't plan on spending your birthday with an awkward Canadian guy with glasses, but you know, we, we spend our time how we want. Uh, any big plans for tonight?
1: <sighs> nothing, brother, nothing. Just stay in the house, relax, waiting for the fight, I still burn calories, and that's it. Make weight this Friday.
0: Yeah, you know, recently Antonina Shevchenko had her birthday, and it happened to be on a Friday. So that's the day you're cutting all the weight. That's no good. At least on the Monday, you can enjoy it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I can drink kombucha. It's not just water. Uh, but that's it. It's stay in the in the house, you know, eating my vegetables and my and my uh, chicken breast, and that's it.
0: <laughs> well. How much training can you actually get done in the time between UFC 255 and UFC 256? What have you been able to do? Um, and I'm sure you're probably taking it a little bit easy, given that you don't want to you know, suffer any injuries or anything along those lines. It's hard to have a full camp.
1: Yes, I mean, this is a special time and it's in a special uh, training camp, you know, because I, I had just... Uh, Three weeks until the fight to stay ready and prepare all the game plan for the fight. I I needed to be um, very smart because right now it's very easy to be overtrainer. Uh, I talk with my head coach. I talk with my other coaches and say, hey, you need to train stay in shape. But you can't go really hard with your training because, again, it's very easy to get some overtraining. Um So right now, I'm, I'm perfect, you know, I was very smart, I had I had a, a just one training session in the morning, and that's it right now for me.
0: Is it good to know that Davison's under the same circumstances, you know, if, if he had a full camp and you were taking this fight on three weeks notice, it's, you know, a little bit less than ideal, although we have seen guys like Michael Bispin get the job done under those circumstances, but are you happy that he's facing the same uphill battle as you are?
1: Yes, we are in the same situation. You know, we fought, we fought in November 21st. We finished our fights in the first round. Any injury, uh, at least for me, any injuries, I'm, I'm still in shape. I have cardio for six or 10 uh, rounds if it's necessary. So, I mean, I'm ready. Obviously, you want a full training camp to make a a good uh, game plan. Uh, against the champion, but it is what it is. It's the same for both, res- too much respect for Davison Figueiredo because he takes the fight very quickly. So we are ready to, to make this happen.
0: What have you thought of Davison's year? You know, a lot of people are saying if he ends up beating you this weekend, he's the fighter of the year, four championship fights, four wins, although he missed weight for the uh, the first fight. Uh, what have you thought of his year so far?
1: Nice, a uh, nice, amazing, again, so much respect for him. Uh, he needs to beat me first. Uh, and that will be, uh, I promise, really hard. I'm ready. I'm i am a hungry man. Uh, I want this this belt too much. I was working too much for this opportunity. Um, but yes, Davidson Figueredo looks impressive in his last fight um, against Joe Benavides in the last one against Alex Perez. Uh, he's amazing, and that's why that's why he's the champion. But man, this Mexican kid is on fire right now.
0: Have you seen Joe Benavidez since you've been in town? I know he was your coach on The Ultimate Fighter and he lives uh, in Las Vegas.
1: Yes, yeah, I, I, I saw him like two or three times this these this week, this weeks in in Vegas. And now, man, he's an amazing people. He, he say like, just like, man, it's your time, it's your moment to get that belt. And you just enjoy the moment. You will be the next uh, flyweight champion. That's why I love my, my, my coach, you know. I, actually, I never say Joseph Benavides. He's always like my coach.
0: Well, it's hard not to respect Joe. He's one of the, uh, the class acts in, in the sport. Um, so you're trying to become the first Mexican-born fighter to win a championship this week. But I also spoke to Jason House before Alex Perez fought Davis did <coughs> figure it out because Jason House doesn't have a single UFC champion. He's never had one before. That could be <laughs> you as well. And I know you and Jason have a very close relationship. Would that mean a lot to you as well?
1: I'm the I'm the next flyweight champion of the Iranian sports that's it
0: yeah so that but what does that mean to you to to bring home uh, the belt to mexico i mean obviously uh, you have a lot of pride in in your heritage
1: uh nah, it means for me everything you know uh, first uh when i met uh jason house before uh he started to work very very good uh, in my career you know so you know, be uh, his fierce uh, champion of, in the in the company and in, in Iridium make me feel happy for, for, for all the team, you know, not just me, for the team. And specifically for me, to be the, the fierce 100% Mexican uh, champion means everything, you know, because I know I have the opportunity to change all the game, all the sport in my country. You know, to get more support from the companies, more support for the government. You know, just like like boxing, man, you know, it's, it's hard for everyone there in, in a third world country. But, you know, I think it's harder for us because it's a relative, a new sport in the country. So we can change the game now.
0: And I know Dana White's looking to build a performance institute in Mexico and really build the sport up there. Would you like to be the face of that? I mean, that seems like something that you would be able to carry on your back. You're just such an easygoing, fun guy, and you, you, you love your country.
1: Man, I would love to, to, be, to do something important. You know, I know about the project with the new performance institute in, in Mexico City. I live in Tijuana. It's too far to to the to the uh, to the you know Mexico City and Tijuana are you know like far. But yeah, I mean, I I I want to be the name, you know, the 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 face of that uh, performance team. why not?
0: Tell me a little bit about how you grew up, about your upbringing in Tijuana, and what made you decide to become a fighter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's occasional, bro? So uh, occasional, occasional is the word.
0: Occasional.
1: Um, because I don't have like a history in the sports with my family. For example, you know, my parents are uh, hard workers. You know, they they start his a pinata company in Tijuana very young to try to try to go good uh, a a good uh, life to me and my brothers. Uh, but I don't have a history of sports in my in my. In my family, so I'm starting this sport just to do some something in my in my day, you know, in, in, with me to do some exercise. To, I was a shabby kid in that moment, so I'm start to train this sport, start to be better in this sport, and I start to love more and more this sport. And here I am, fighting for the title, the, uh, fifteen years uh, later.
0: When did you realize you were good enough to make this your career? Sorry. When did you realize that you were good enough to make this your full-time career, your job? Uh,
1: I don't know, maybe when when I'm maybe like in my because my my fear my fears at uh, 3 or 4 or five professional fights uh, doesn't want the the way I, I wanted you know in, in my life because I win the first I lost the second one I uh, win the third one lost the next one so my first uh, fight war, war cra- uh, was crazy but when I started winning you know i I went to the private division and started winning and I started watching my evolution in this sport and say, hey maybe I can do do something in this sport.
0: I feel like you enjoy being the underdog. You're the underdog going into this fight. And uh, even when you were on tough, you were a big underdog. Uh, when, when you were facing guys, you were one of the lower seeds on the show. And now here you are fighting for the title. But you must really enjoy that.
1: Man, I love to be the underdog. It's the the best place to stay, you know. Because you don't, you don't have too much pressure. You are always happy. I mean, I'm always happy, but, you know. Davidson Figueroa need to make an statement that night, but me not. I'm happy to be to stay. I was trying to to win in the fight. I mean, and I know a lot of people can say whatever they want, but at the end of the day, I have the last word. You know, I love to be the underdog because I'm always winning.
0: And that motivates you, I imagine. It inspires you to to work extra hard when it comes to these fights. Always,
1: you know. Because I'm, I know I need to put some statement always when I go to my fights. Um, I need to make some good statements in my life. Um, again, be the underdog is the best for me. And I, and I don't care. I don't care what the people say. If the people are, are talking about this fight, you know, and they say something like, oh, Figueredo is amazing. Oh, Figueroa he's so powerful. He's the next superstar of the company. He's the next Demetri Johnson. But, man, I have the last word. You know, we'll see what happened in December 12. Just give me the opportunity. Just give me the chance, the chance to change my life, and we'll see what happened that night.
0: And when you when you look at Figueroa, he has lost before. Do you do you look at that as a blueprint when you look at his fight with Formiga? Man, and everybody
1: forget that moment. You know, he he lost in less than two years. You know, he lost against Formiga, and and. I know I can do I can do that I I beat for Viga before, and I know I can beat Firero definitely.
0: All right, well, it's a pleasure speaking with you uh, as always, Brandon. Uh, cumpleaños feliz, cumpleaños feliz, te deseo a todos. <laughs> cumpleaños feliz, I don't know any Spanish. I learned that just before this interview. Was that any good?
1: <laughs> Amazing, brother! It's the best song this this day. <laughs>
0: All right, well, hopefully more people sing it to you and that doesn't end up being the best song of the day overall. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your time. Thank you and best of luck this weekend for the flyweight title against Davis and Vigorado, UFC 256.
1: Thank you so much, Fred. Have a good day, too.
0: I'm now joined by El Kakui Tony Ferguson. He's in the co-main event against charles Oliveira, this must be a fun opponent for you you look at what charles Oliveira's has done all of the submissions the record holder for submissions this seems like it's right up your alley
2: absolutely i'm a really game opponent for uh, in the submission category myself with the snap jitsu and uh, charles Oliveira a little bit more traditional dude says he's got better muay thai and wrestling than me so it's actually in his opinion so i'll respect that but uh this kid's gonna have his hands full this weekend brother
0: when you watch his fights and you see the different cre- the kind of creativity that he has, does he remind you of you at all? I mean, you guys are two of the most creative, most entertaining fighters in the UFC.
2: Um, as far as, like, I don't, I don't consider anybody that's like me. There's only one other the that like, I don't talk to myself in third person and stuff. But with Charles Oliveira, the stature, the length, his ranginess, and his quick, fast twitch muscles and how he jumps on some really fast, I mean, he's his own person, man. I got to give him props to that. But uh, he tries to, you know, with the sunglasses and the style and I whatever, man, it's cool. It's it is what it is on that part, like Max Holloway says, right? It is what it is. I'm not sampling from him, but it's a fighter's fight and uh, I'm excited for it. If you guys were excited for it, I'm glad to be a part of it for you to keep fifty six Coleman.
0: Well, personally speaking, I think it's one of the fights I'm most excited for from the entire year. I think it's a fantastic matchup. Uh, when, when you look at this particular card, UFC 256, it seems like you were fairly insistent on being on this particular card. Uh, why is that?
2: Well, because I didn't want to get forced into a different division. How about like were in a top five position? I was number, ranked number two, three. I forget what rank I'm in. But what I saw it was like they were going to take number four, number one. put them over here make a fight. And then I wanted to fight Chandler, but Chandler said that uh, he, he wanted to fight too, but the UFC said that uh, he had an opponent already. Or And then Chandler was like, well, wait a minute, I don't have a fight. And then they're yelling at him for basically saying, oh, we do we or you don't. So somebody was fucking lying along the way. And so I took matters in my own hands. Instead of waiting all the way until Abu Dhabi and all this other stuff and then having me keep putting this way, like in a division, how they always fucking do because that's how UFC works and matchmaking. I decided, you know what, let's throw a wrench in the whole entire marketing thing, and let's make myself readily available, because that's what we are. We're always fucking ready. So, I mean, I've been competing for 30 plus years, so I know I know the schematics, and all, how people work, and I saw it, threw the wrench in it, and here we go, December 12th, we got we got a fight versus Charles O'Bara, myself, at UFC 256, it's been forever since I fought on a fucking undercard, I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna be real, and last time I lost was how It's all that fun stuff, but this is an interesting fight because I'm having fun. There's plenty of juice in the squeeze left for my family, and there's a lot of ways that I can get in there and get that victory.
0: How did uh, Charles come about as the opponent? Uh, and when his name was mentioned, he's not really a household name, but still a top seven guy in the division. Uh, how did you react when you heard that was the name?
2: Well, that's what I mean. The disrespect that everybody gets saying that he's not a household name. Like Interviewers, I'm not going no to disrespect you, but that's where the disrespect comes in, where people are like, well, you know, he don't have name and this and that and blah 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 i'm like what the fuck like you know we don't go in there and like group ourselves enough to have a name like seriously what's a household name like what clorox be real like what's a household name what connor big nuggets you got tiramisu those are household names i made that that's kind of fun and be real he's a game opponent dude like, you have who who is a game opponent that wants to go in there. I'm not going to be chasing after these top five, three, four, whatever fucking guys I think that they deserve to be having these fights. We talk a whole lot, like, you know what I mean? But then you got a guy like me that's in there doing the damn thing and saying, hey, are you not entertained? You got a guy like like Olivera who's going to come in here. Hopefully he makes the fucking weight so we have a fight. That way we can handle business like professionals. Because if you can't make the weight, how do you expect to be a champ and make championship weight to get that title? These are the things that we need to make happen. Like, I'm being real. and That's why I'm here. I'm here fighting for my shit, not for everybody else. But I'm making sure that everybody demonstrates to themselves the max of their potential. Why are you going to fight to the lowest of your potential? Because somebody says you're not a household name. The
0: fuck out of here. You make a great point. Uh, and the reason why is because it doesn't really matter who you're fighting. You're under the same circumstances anyways. You're getting paid the same amount of money and all of that. Uh, and when you look at Charles Oliveira, he should be a household name. The guy's an unbelievable fighter. Uh, and I, I really hope that people don't look at this fight and say, well, I don't recognize that name and, and don't tune in because that would be a a big mistake. I I think that Charles Oliveira and yourself have proven over the years to be two of the most entertaining and creative fighters, uh, in the entire UFC. I think, I think that it's a, a fantastic matchup, but I think you're right. I think a lot of people do put a little bit too much stock into that kind of thing.
2: Um, it's just because what the, you know what I mean? Like what ESPN's going to feed, you know what I mean? Or Sports Center what you guys are going to feed. You guys are on that proper 12 day. I'm going to be real. All that marketing money and everything that's out there, look, everybody dances when money's out there like this. Like dance, dance, boys dance, dance, girl dance. Like what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? I'm not out there like promoting any of the bullshit. I'm not trying to do this or, or, or make fuck, like Pump stuff down people's throats like that. I can't do that. I'm not like, I don't want to be like McNuggets. I don't want to be like tiramisu and bullshit and sample everybody. I'm only doing my thing and I'm out here just competing for my my self interest now, which is for my team, my family. I've always been that way, but I've always expanded my, my grounds and it made myself paper thin. And I wasn't having fun anymore. Now I'm having fun. I'm involving myself around a lot more activities outside of the fight realm. So that way, I don't have to rely on the UFC to pay my bills anymore. You can either take tips. This is something I learned at bartending. You can eat either- and this is from my buddy Larry back in the day. He told me, you can either take tips or pay bills. And it wasn't along those lines. And I pretty much put it like that. It was like you can take tips, man, your whole entire life, but wouldn't you want to pay bills? I pay bills. I'm out there working. I'm networking. Like during fight week, I'm I'm over here making my phone calls and making my brands align and making sure that I'm doing this stuff. I'm cutting the weight as well. I'm making sure that my facility has lights on, right? And I'm making sure that those bills are paid, and I'm making sure that my athletes are being taken care of. I didn't even sign my bout agreement until they said that, that my boy Tommy and my boy Cisco were going to get fights. You have to understand that. I just signed my bout agreement what, yesterday. Like This is what I'm doing. Like I, I don't speak for everybody, but I speak for my team and where it comes from because I work and I pave that way. I paved that way back for UFC, what, the last fight from in, in Fort Lauderdale, right, or Florida, Jacksonville. We did that, and you know what I got out of all that trying to please everybody? Fucking heat. You got your ass kicked. You took too much damage. You're never going to be the same, and this and that, and blah, 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 like fucking eight mile. I'm the nakedest I've ever been. I have, like, zero privacy, and everybody's pulling at my arms left and right, and I got, like, this little bit of privacy in here, and I'm, like, peeking at it. I'm smiling, and everybody's like, what's so special? What are you doing that's so much special and different than everybody? And they're trying to pull at out my arms. And they're pulling at me, and I'm to sit here laughing slowly, And eventually, they're pulling out my clothes, and then and then they're ripping my stuff apart. And they're still sort of trying to fucking figure out what is so special about what I have in my academy or in my life. And I sit here, and the last breath that I have, I go like this, and there's nothing. And they look at me, and they're like, Pff. and then they walk away. And then I go back to doing this, and I'm still smiling. My whole entire life, it's been like that with interviewers and everybody and everything the whole entire time. I have a little bit of privacy, and everybody wants to know what that special secret, that magic sauce, and everything. You know what I mean? And try to figure it out. Or what's the what's the the last thing? What's thing? What's the what's the goal? If you have a fucking goal. You're gonna plateau. You gotta have these steps that you're gonna have. Whatever it's gonna be, you're gonna have a title shot. You're gonna have, you know, like for me, the goal really is to keep supporting my family through generations. Is to make sure that I'm setting that that standard for myself, so that when my kid sees it. 'Cause he's seeing his dad get up in the morning and fucking going to work. And he's seeing him like doing all these things and coming back with bumps and bruises and not, not not smiling. I'm smiling the whole entire time. I got my wife barely even crying, but I got other families crying for me now. Like, we don't want to see you injure yourself. We want to see you doing your best. We want we don't wanna and even you, I guarantee it, everybody in the interview like and in the world in the ESPN, they were like, Man, fucking Tony, like we've never seen you like that. I enjoyed that fight because you guys got entertainment. You guys got four and a half fucking rounds, five rounds of entertainment instead of one fucking round. What was needed was five, and I gave it to you guys. I'm not doing that shit for y'all anymore. I'm doing this for fucking me. This is my time now. I've been earning this every step of the way with or without the UFC. I'm a company man. I go through that, and when the company's through turmoil, you know who the fuck you can count on. When everybody runs away and they're saying, oh, you got to protect yourself like Connor and McNuggets and you got Tim and shoe running away and this and that. Who shows up? Where's my title shot? Where's all my stuff that's was supposed to be owed to me? Nothing's owed to you. You got to earn it. And I keep earning my way to the fucking victory every single time. And you guys have seen it. But nobody speaks up. You guys don't speak up because you guys are getting paid by Connor. You guys are getting paid by Proper 12 and all this other bullshit. You guys got that fucking facade over your face, man. You guys don't want to speak up for me and be like, yo, you have Tony the fucking title shot. You guys got umpteen amount of time to talk to Dana, but you all ain't speaking up for me. You guys are watching me getting fucked over left and right by my old management companies. Nobody's saying shit, right? But yet here I am saving the fucking day, making sure that everybody's got entertainment in the world. And then taking heat afterwards saying, why didn't you win? Tell me.
0: Let me rewind to the very beginning of your answer. So you got two of your training partners, Tommy and I think Francisco Rivera. You said they've both got shots coming up in the UFC?
2: That's what I'm told. And anybody that trains with me over at my academy is what I was told by Sean Shelby. I have applications in my resumes from other people. But if they're training with me and they can get through the park and they can come to my academy and get past that level and they can maintain it mentally, I will make sure they get trained enough. Because I come from the Ultimate Fighter. I graduated from that program, the mail room program, where my word is my bond. They have that, and they understand that now. And I've earned that shit. So, I mean, from the UFC in the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for fucking allowing me to have that encouragement. Because you guys know I don't bullshit with my training, and you guys know I don't bullshit with my way I speak. My boys are always ready. You got Tommy Aaron, you got Cisco Rivera. And I got Anthony Gonzalez out of my corner, and we're going to make sure that we fucking come out of here with this victory this week at UFC 256. We are on the undercard, and I'm very proud, 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 proud to be on the undercard for a guy like Figueroa and Moreno to fucking fight. That guy got balls, bro. He just fought. He just fought. And he said, you know what? I want to fight again. That is what we need. I don't speak for everybody. I'm like, man, this guy gets it. This guy fucking gets it, man. That's cool. I don't mind fighting on another card like that. What the fuck? Here, pull me in. man. I don't have to be main event. I don't always have to have the spotlight around me. Who wants that all the time? Who wants to be praised all the fucking time where people are like pulling that in, you, you become jaded where your clothes are so ripped apart because like everybody's like just, oh, he's got praise and they're going to roll their eyes and do the yawns and the shit. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to hear that. I'm a bartender. I got so used to fucking like being able to see other people that were the life of the parties, man. And then just like everybody be like, man, fuck that guy. I'm not like that. I'm not trying to always have the party around me, but somehow it's always like that. But I'm not going to say I don't like it. I'm going to say I'm trying to do something with it. is encourage everybody else to have that recovery life. During the pandemics, Make sure you all take care of yourselves.
0: Why do you think it's the role of media to lobby for you to get a title shot? You mentioned that off the top of your previous answer. Um, What would you like to see media do more? What what do you think that we um, are not doing right, in, in a sense, in terms of trying to lobby for you to get a title shot.
2: I wouldn't even say this for me. I would just say kissing so much ass. We're fucking, like, saying Connor's name. Like, I want to be real. Like, the dude fucking hasn't competed in how long. Like, I mean, it's like a name that crossed over, but, like, you're, you're, you're saying, like, there's not a household name because the fucking name that's in your guys' mouth is got... I'm not telling you guys are kissing his ass or doing whatever, but you guys aren't putting the other names out there. You're not giving a chance for these other athletes like myself or or Charles Oliveira. You, you guys are putting in people like Chandler who fucking did what for the UFC, right? And now he's got a top, what, three position? Get the fuck out of here. That's on you guys to speak up. Because while I was getting fucked around by my management, my old previous management, and Danny even said the same thing, like, oh, man, they're fucking you over. Well, why the fuck did nobody speak up? Speak up before it's too fucking late for y'all. I want to be real. So I can't tell you exactly what the fuck to say because that's on you guys and part of my language. Don't swear.
0: <laughs>
2: but at least speak what's from your heart and not what you're being told. Everybody's too afraid of doing that.
0: But if we would have said, hypothetically, you know, uh, Paradigm are, are doing Tony dirty, something along those lines, would it have changed anything?
2: Maybe I would have got out of the city situation sooner, huh? Maybe they wouldn't owe me half a mil. Maybe I wouldn't came out of pocket so much or maybe wouldn't have the TMZs and all the bullshit and everything else like that or being a targeted individual how I learned from one of the biggest fucking supporters of that company niche tells me that yeah you were targeted Tony and I fucking it gave me the biggest moment of relief you have no idea it's some bullshit but what I have done is increase my value so fucking much that I don't even give a fuck anymore I don't I don't need fighting anymore to fucking support myself I enjoy this sport. I love my job. I love the fact that I'm going to go back to school and get my fucking doctorate so all you motherfuckers cannot fucking tell me I'm wrong. I want that degree, why not want that title? That's fucking gold cool to me.
0: What are you getting a doctorate in?
2: Physical therapy when I started they made it a doctorate that year when it was supposed to be a four year program. I thought it was I thought I couldn't handle it. I thought it was gonna be too much. And here I go throughout the whole entire year fucking figuring out what I like to do. Hospitality management's right there, but I love to help with people and I like to recover, right? I've helped my knee recover all the way, right? I did that same shit myself. I went and looked at the doctor and I saw that doctor that I went and shook his hand. And he's not even fucking working anymore because he was fucking people over with insurance. He was doing that with NFL athletes and stuff. like. I got tired of looking at people like that. When people shake your hand, they want to shake it neutral. Watch, guys. When somebody shakes your hand, They're dominant over you. They think that they're fucking better than you if they shake their hand like that. This way, they're very open and receiving. That means they're very welcoming. This way, we're very neutral. You got to think like that, how people shake your hand now. So I'm going to put that out there. So now watch. Everybody's going to take really care, careful of that stuff and who they're going to fucking relate to.
0: Now People aren't shaking hands all that much these days (laughs) as a result of this this pandemic that's going on. But uh, noted. I I like that. So the lower is...
2: But that's what I'm saying. So now it's a little bit too late for everybody to understand where everybody's character's at.
0: For the last 10 years,
2: I did that, and I got to understand people, and I got to relate, and I got to watch people, and who was connected, and all of this stuff for the last, what, 8, 10 years since I moved to California. I'm from Michigan, California, and I love California, but it's not going to change me. And all this stuff that I did homework and notes on, and got to read people and see how everybody really is, I just kept my mouth shut and just kept my eyes open. Kept my ears open. I just paid attention. And so now everybody that is not used to this because of the pandemic, I know it and my people around you know it too. Who, who's, who's, who's the hard course? Mr. Glass is right there. My guy right there. You're fucking real. You've always been real. A lot of other people are real, but they forget over time, right? Because of stupid shit. us, We keep it real.
0: I hope you're referring to me when you say Mr. Glasses. people can't tell that you're pointing at at the camera at the at the monitor here. But I appreciate that. Real, recognize no,
3: real.
2: Any time I've ever had an interview with you, I like doing the interview, like you and Schmo. You know, and the Chad Mark I do. It. I mean, Brett's cool too, and a lot of these guys. But they forget, man. They, they forget where they come from, and the humble beginnings, and the backgrounds, and how they get to the spot where they're at by help from these athletes and myself. I always said that nobody's gonna like me when I get to this point in my life. Because I said that how many years ago? I'll find that quote. I said it probably like eight years ago, seven years ago. I said, nobody's going to like me when I get to this point because I'm, I'm going to be real with everybody. By that time, when I get to this point, it's going to be funny. There you go.
0: Well, I'm very happy with the point you've gotten to. You're now at a, at a point where you're doing this for you. You're not worried about the outside interference, and you're making sure that you're happy, keeping that top of mind. I even heard you in a recent interview say that when you did the last event in Tampa, in uh, Jacksonville, rather, the, the whole mood was, was just trying to be happy, remain calm, remain happy. When everybody else was kind of panicked, you wanted to keep it light. So I feel like that's kind of a metaphor for where your career's at right now. Instead of panicking and you know, getting into a frenzy, you want to just keep it light, keep it happy, and make sure that you got a smile on your face, and I can appreciate that.
2: I was taught better than to fucking create fucking fear. I was taught a lot better than that. When I see fear like that, I run towards danger. When water's coming at me, I don't run the fucking way. I go towards it. Who the fuck needs help? I've always had a mentality, and I can't help it. I'm not going to change it for anybody. My hospitality, the way I am for me... Everybody looks at they're like, You do too much, man. I can't I can't fucking help it. I love it. If somebody needs a fucking extra drink or if they need an extra towel or something like that and they're cutting your weight, I'm like, yo, I mean you'll be all right. I can't help that. And I used to start to think about it because people frowned upon it. Because why are you going over your you know your boundary to fucking like make somebody's day happy? Well why the fuck not? Why am I not being able to like use what my God given talents are to be able to go and help somebody with them with their life? Like you said in that interview, you're like you said it with uh, the with the thing where I walked in like an apocalyptic right, and everybody's had fear in their face. When I carried that belt, it was like over there and everybody said, Why do you carry that belt with you? It's a reminder, not just to myself, but to the other athletes of what I went through. So that way they can fucking not make the same mistakes that I did. That way they're smart. That they talk they listen to my interviews and they're like, and you know, when it becomes a meme, which is funny, right? And I'm very fortunate that everybody considers me like a Chuck Norris. But there's only one fucking Chuck Norris man. I'm no fucking Chuck Norris. That guy's fucking one of those guys. I'm me. I'm, 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 I'm an entertainer. I've built a character. It's an idea. I hope Will Smith says it's an idea. I built that. I put it out there. And a lot of people, they can relate to that idea. And they can correlate to that. And they really want to get to know me. Then they'll really find out how to fucking, like, they'll ask me questions. And they'll be a part of it. And be a part of the things that I have instead of just the interviews. the one want to get involved. And that's, that's incredible. We have this platform to be able to go out there and demonstrate what we're doing as, as our talents on that, in that octagon. And I say it as an, as an artist, you have to paint that canvas, right? Not paint it with blood, but that's where everybody's fucking mental capacity is at. I say as an artist, you have to go out there and paint that canvas. That means you have to demonstrate your moves and your talents out there, especially for everybody, if that's what you're doing it for. Everybody takes everything into completely different like vibes, man. That's why I say it's like this right here, right? It's like where's everybody's mental thought? Where's everybody thinking? What's what's what are, what are their vibes or who they're surrounding themselves around? You can tell immediately like who people are surrounding themselves with, the good or bad. If they come in with an attitude, you're like, man, hey, relax, chill out. That's how it is, man. And we're during this time. So without any further ado, we got UFC 256 this weekend. We got myself the co-main event with Charles Oliveira. I mean, got Figueroa that's headlining again, coming off a of victory over Alex Perez. I got to work with Alex Perez, and I kept trying to tell the kid, come back to the academy, but he didn't make it a point to come back. I know how to get out of certain moves, and know how to do different things, but unless you step out of your fucking boundaries and your comfort zone, you will never learn. Alex is a good friend of mine, too, and nothing bad against him, but that's what I'm saying. He has a kid, and we have different things and balances in our life. But a lot of times, it takes time management. That's not my own thing, but I, I got taught that. It's learned, not by my buddy over here, but somebody else that's really close to me. Time management is the one thing that we all forget about. you got to have time for me. That's me time. If you're going to take care of yourself, how do you expect to take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself? We expend ourselves, we spread ourselves so damn thin that it's, it's so funny that you got to snap, you're going to break. You can't do it, man. You have your me time first, right? And then you fucking be able to take care of everybody else afterwards. You have to do that. For a split second, you have to be a little bit selfish to take care of your breathing and your heart rate because these are the only two things that we can really control in our life. Everything else is up the big guys upstairs. Yeah.
0: There's only one Chuck Norris, only one Tony Ferguson, and uh, you are all about hospitality. You've been very hospitable with your time. I appreciate that. Yourself, Charles Oliveira, co event UFC 256 this weekend. And congratulations to you on baby number two.
2: Hey, thank you very much.
0: Salute. I'm now joined by the former UFC heavyweight champion, Shigano Junior Dos Santos. I appreciate your time as always. A big fight coming up this weekend at UFC 256 against Cyril Gañ. What do you know about Cyril? Uh, have you watched uh, any tape on him? It seems like he's a real up-and-coming prospect.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, he looks uh, he looks very good on his fights, you know, and uh I don't know much about him, uh, but I can see that he's a tough opponent, and um, yeah, it's, I'm glad to be back in track, you know, fighting again and trying to, to, to get the results I want. It
0: seems like the UFC keeps sticking you with these guys that nobody else wants to face. Uh, it doesn't seem like people are lining up to face Cyril. Uh, Jairzinho Rosenstrike, a very tough opponent, Curtis Blades, Francis. Why are you so eager to accept these fights?
4: well i i don't really pick fights you know and uh and the, the ufc <clears> he <throat> knows they know this <laughs> and also uh well uh, they know that I, i'm willing to become the champion again and I, I know i'm coming from you uh, know a, a negative moment you know from a loss some losses you know but um uh, uh, they know, you know, this is my style, you know, I don't pick fights, I, I, I don't just say that, you know, I really do, and I'm here to fight the the, the the best guys, you know, and right now everybody's putting a lot of hype on this guy, talking about him and giving him a lot of uh, credit, you know, so the UFC nobody, yeah, like I said, I think people, they are having like hard times to find opponents for him, so let's do it.
0: It seems like the same thing happened with Tai Tuivasa. You ended up getting the win in that one. Everybody uh was touting him as a future champion potentially or at least the top 5 heavyweight. Uh is, is that what what makes this an exciting fight for you is to show that you still have the skill to hang with somebody that most people are touting as a, a future top contender?
4: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah for sure, you know, actually uh yeah, I you know, uh, he should be worried about about fighting me. Not that I'm worried about fighting him. You know, but uh, but uh, yeah, I I always I don't underestimate my opponents. You know, I know the you know in this division, this is the UFC. The best fighters in the world, the world are, are here fighting. You know, so um, I'm ready to go there, give 100% of me. You know, it, it's a. It's strange, you know. People, people, they are always very critical. They are always very. Uh, they like to, to, whenever you're living something bad, you know. People, they, 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 they kind of want to put a lot more more attention on that and take advantage of the the moment. But I'm fine with that, man. Life is not easy, you know. <laughs> Life's like that, Uh, uh, and uh, I I already went through so many hard moments in my life, and this is just one more, you know, and uh, I'm actually happy to be fighting on this Saturday night, and uh, my my biggest will, you know, I'm willing to go back to my winning streak, and uh, I'm ready for that.
0: That's a great perspective to have, and the thing that a lot of people don't look at is the matchup. I think in this particular matchup, uh, Cyril's not exactly a guy that has incredible power. He's not like a Francis Ngannou or like Rosenstrike. He's very, very technical, which I think suits you very well because that's always been your bread and butter. You're very technical. You've got great boxing, great hands. Is, is that why this fight uh, is also exciting for you? It's because it's a, he's a very similar fighter to you, in my opinion.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he moves very well, you know, like I do. <laughs> and um, he deals very well with his own weight. So uh, it's a it's a it's something p- positive, you know, for him, you know, and uh, yeah, this style of the fight will be will be very interesting for the fans. I really believe, you know, because he he really believes on. I uh, I can see that he is very good on the stand up, you know. He got some ground game as well. He already showed us, and uh, yeah, no doubt it's gonna be a, a very in- interesting fight fight, you know. But uh uh. You know, this is the heavyweight division. As uh, you can say, like people doesn't have knockout power. Maybe a little less. Maybe a little more. But uh, there is always power involved on this on this on this division. You know, because the guys are, are big guys. You know, and uh, with a lot of um, a lot of power involved. Like I said, you know. So uh, I'm expecting a, a, a good fight. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm ready to win.
0: I'm not trying to suggest that he has pillows for hands by any means. Of course, in the heavyweight division, anybody can get knocked out at any time. Uh, are you happy to get this fight done before Christmas so you can spend uh, the holidays with your family without having to worry about an upcoming fight?
4: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Actually, when, as soon as they offered me, offered me the, the fight, you know I was in Brazil, I wasn't uh, really training, you know, getting prepared for the fight, And so I, I, I asked the UFC to, to, uh, to put, push the fight to January. You know so would be I would be able to prepare myself better you know for the fight, but uh, they want they really want to do this fight on December, so here we are, you know, ready to go and uh yeah, it's always important you know to spend time with with the family I've been doing that a lot, and I'll keep doing this you know i actually um uh yeah uh I'll put one hundred percent of me. Uh, to have a good result to have a to at least you know uh, put a, like 100% of me on the fight if i do everything what i what i'm there to do you know i'll be i'll I'll be, I'll be fine with myself and i really believe you know i'm going to get the w so then i can celebrate with my family
0: We've seen some releases uh, recently in the UFC. Uh, I know they didn't re-sign Fabricio Verdum, and uh, they've recently released Yoel Romero as well as Anthony Johnson. It seems like a lot of the, the fighters that have been around for some time um, are, are starting to part ways with the, the UFC. Uh, does that concern you at all? Or I, I know that you are the type of person that's taking fights with just about everybody, and I'm sure you're in the good graces of the UFC, but when you see a lot of the older fighters uh, getting let go, the, does that concern you at all?
4: Well, I can. I have to say no, because uh, you know I cannot deny that uh, we we think about it. You know, if they they're re- releasing all these guys, maybe we can be one of them. I, I, I don't really know, but I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not thinking about that right now because, uh, man, uh, in the UFC you have no options. You know, they can release you from your contract the the, the moment they want. You know, we are employees here. And we just have to to do our best to keep uh, to keep working. Uh, they can release you anytime they want, you know. So uh, now they are planning to do this in a, in a big way, you know, so, uh, uh, releasing more people. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of strange, you know. I don't really uh, stop to really think about it, about that, you know. But um, Yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't really agree with the way, the way, with the way that uh, things happen, uh, you know, to, with these guys or whatever. But, uh, but, you know, this is, this is a business. (laughs) They are doing their business. That's what they think it's going to be good for them. Go ahead and do it.
0: What part of it do you disagree with? Just uh, the the fact that these guys have been in the UFC for some time and uh, they've, They've been. I mean, Joel Romero, very high-level fighter, fought for the belt
4: this year. Of course, he fought for the belt, and he, like uh, not him, not just him, uh, and many others. Like you know, the the show is made by the the the, the fighters, not the, the the UFC itself. You know, so uh, the fighters. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of strange because sometimes people they don't really understand about fighting, so they just want to see the two guys throwing punches on the face. Of each other, you know they don't really care about uh, uh, who's fighting or you know the technical point of that, you know. R- Uriel Romero, man, he's an amazing, amazing fighter, you know, no doubts. He sells a lot. He people loves to watch him, and uh, but yeah, UFC, like, UFC decided to to release him because of the age, because of the the I don't really know what, but it doesn't. I, I whatever they say, it doesn't make, really make sense, you know especially if he's in the 40s, 40-something, 43, 44, whatever. Uh, Especially if he's in that age, he's something special. He's been in this sport for so long, you know. I think UFC should uh, respect that point a little more, you know, and and give him uh, more credit. Ah, he's coming from three losses. Okay, uh, but... uh, uh, he, he just fought for the tie, like you said, you know, and he's always giving good shows. Um, but like, like I said, it's a, it's a business for them, you know, and um, uh, whatever they want to do, they will.
0: Do you think that it's going to affect the, the quality of the product? You see a lot of these entry-level fighters from the Contender Series. A lot of them are getting contracted. If you look at how many were signed from the, just this season, um, it's not that they don't belong in the UFC, but there are... Of course, like you said, people in no fighting know there's levels to this game, and that there are people that are the top tier fighters, and those are the ones that you want to hang on to uh and it looks like some of the some of these guys that have been let go are are being let go because they don't have enough roster space uh,
4: yeah it's uh, uh it's kind of like that you know it's uh um uh, it's a strange situation that's what, what I have to say you know i, I I, sh- I think they should, uh, you know, uh, give more attention, more respect, you know, for the guys like Joel or whatever, you know, there's there's old guys like you said he did, they didn't resign with uh, Verdun, who was, you know, maybe because the guys are old, but whatever, you know. Uh, well, there's if they there's always you know another uh, ways to go. And I'm sure these guys will find another way to go. And, um, you know, it's it's still the UFC. It's going to be still the the UFC, the biggest and best, you know, MMA show in the world. Everybody's going to be watching. It's just a point of uh, opinions. And it doesn't really matter.
0: Do you still think that Anderson Silva can hang with some top guys in the UFC? I mean, I know he won a round against Uriah Hall. Uh, even a lot of people thought he won around against Israel Adesanya, the current champion. Uh, were you surprised to see his departure from the UFC? Um,
4: well, yes, I was. Uh, actually, I, I, the, the Anderson case is kind of different, you know, because he was saying that he would retire. He was saying that he would like to stop. And also uh so after the fight, I think it, it changed a little bit, you know, he, he he, he, he wants to continue fighting. You know, man, he's Anderson Silva. He's a legend, you know. He did uh, so amazing things for this sport. So I have no doubts that uh, people out there, all the fans out there, you know, they, they want to see him fighting again. Man, they just saw. Everybody was uh, excited to see Tyson fighting again. Can you Can imagine, like, you see Anderson Silva who's just still active, you know, on his career. So, uh I think, I think uh, uh its a it's, this this thing of retiring is is a very personal thing, you know. Uh, but uh, when you're living a bad moment or something, people w- kind of they want to kind of push you for that. It's it's very strange, you know. But uh, but uh, like you like I said, you know, there's no what we can do about it. We have to absorb that or. Or just uh, 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 defend ourselves from that, you know, not not allow that to, to reach our mind, to reach our interior. Because uh, uh, there is many stupid things being said these days, <laughs> not just in the sport, in the whole world. So we have to deal with, uh, we have to learn how to deal with it.
0: You mentioned retirement. Is that on your mind at all? I mean, obviously it's not with a fight coming up this weekend is not on your mind, but when you look at uh, a career in mixed martial arts, it's obviously a finite time. You've been at the highest level of the heavyweight division since the day you entered the UFC. You fought Fabrizio Verdum and beat him in your debut. And since then, you've been in the top five of of the heavyweight division pretty much for 12 years, which is an incredible accomplishment.
4: Uh, How much longer do you want to do this for? Uh, Well, I I feel very good, actually, you know. Uh, So... Of course, not <laughs> retiring. I'm not even thinking about this, this type of things, you know. Uh, because, like I said, it's everything is right there, you know. I wasn't losing my, my last fights. I lost, but I, I was doing great. I was doing good on my, on my fights. So, like I said, the performance is there. The power is there. The stamina is there. Uh, the experience, you know, the... <laughs> Everything is right there, is right here with me, you know. So uh, for to be used with, you know, and makes it make things uh, work better for me. But uh, yeah, but man, uh, I'll keep, I'll keep going. If there's some point in my career that I see, uh, I cannot fight anymore. I tra- man, I I train very hard, you know, at the gym. If you see me at the gym, you know you're going to say oh, even my with my partners and and things you know I train very hard man it's hard to find someone to train harder than me you know uh, and uh that's why I say that everything is right there you know for me to be using against my my uh my opponents so yeah but uh, but the moment I see that uh, the performance is not there the thing the power is not there or maybe I can uh, it's not for me anymore then I will retire I will spend my time doing another thing, you know, because I I really believe I can become the champion again. I have everything what it takes to do, to to do that, and uh, in my mind, in my my head, I will do that. You know, uh, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be spending my time doing something else, doing building building a business, uh, uh, give, uh, putting my attention on the things that. Uh, Uh, will bring me a a better future you know I wouldn't be spending my time on something that I don't believe so I really believe uh, on on who I am and what I still can achieve and in my mind I will become the champion uh, again you know
0: Well, we're not trying to push you out the door. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. It's been a pleasure watching you put all your love and heart into this career. Uh, You can tell that you're one of the guys that has always had so much fun doing this and uh, wants to continue to uh, rise up the ranks of the heavyweight division and become champion once again. So we appreciate your time and uh, best of luck this weekend against Cyril Gane. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm now joined by the teenage dream, Chase Hooper. We'll be facing Peter Barrett this weekend at UFC 256, just days shy of the one-year anniversary of your your debut. That's pretty cool. It's been a full year in the UFC. What have you learned from your time so far in the UFC uh, over the course of one year?
3: Uh, I don't know. It's kind of nice to have figured out kind of the process of, you know, having to deal with all the weeks' worth of stuff for the UFC and then, you know, the process now with all the COVID restrictions for um, fight week and obviously, like, the walkout stuff. It's all just kind of um, so much different than it is on the local shows. So it's just kind of cool to have a couple under my belt already and kind of, you know, know that process a little better. So The last one against Alex Caceres didn't go your
0: way. Um, What's the difference when you, I guess, suffer a loss – elsewhere outside of the ufc i know you, you were undefeated coming into this but i'm sure uh, at some point in time you've lost in some sort of co- uh, competitive uh, affair uh, and losing in the ufc on, on a big stage
3: yeah i mean i've been losing my whole life so it's not um it's not like this was anything crazy for me i um you know i started doing brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments um as a little kid and uh you know like I lost my very first tournament and that could have been it for me but I just kind of came back and it's just um I don't know I feel like I've made this just kind of what I do at this point um so the loss doesn't really affect me I've always I feel like I've always been pretty tough mentally um but for me the biggest difference between uh you know losing here in the UFC and anywhere else is obviously the money and then um You know, having all the people on the Internet talking about you just because, I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of nice when nobody cares about you, but it's also a good sign when they care enough to trash talk you all the time. So it's kind of give and take with all that.
0: Well, as you can see from, uh, I'll move my head out of the way here. I've, I've got my uh, my M and M's here, my Chase Hooper M and M. So I haven't jumped off the bandwagon. It's in the background of all of my shots. So I'm still, uh, I'm still got faith in, in old Chase Hooper. Uh, but you I mentioned, it. you mentioned, that, you know, the, the hate on the internet. I mean, you're kind of an easy target. You're a young guy. you were a favorite in that fight. Um, how, how did you get through that? Like, you know, how did you avoid that or ignore it or uh, just just confront it?
3: Uh. I don't know just from like I was fine 20 minutes after you know I lost to a guy with uh you know more UFC fights than I had years on this earth so it's kind of like just that experience gap is like such a huge thing to go up against in your second fight um and it really honestly it kind of you know put that chip back on my shoulder and kind of sparked that fire again of like at knowing exactly what I need to do, uh, to improve and then just having the drive and all that to go out there and do it. Um, like I was back in the gym the next week, just kind of grinding it out and, um, you know, I've been trying to get better at everything ever since. And, um, yeah, I feel like it was a good experience for me, especially to not take too much or anything. Um, Yeah.
0: How long did it take you to get back into the gym for from when you lost to uh, when you, you got right back into training?
3: Uh, I don't think I took that much time off, probably just the rest of the weekend. Um, and then back in for, like, jiu-jitsu and stuff. Um, I take time off sparring after fights just because I think that's probably better for my brain. But, um, yeah, no, I was just back in the gym. It's kind of one of those things where... When you win a fight, you have this satisfaction of like, okay, I did what I need to do. But, um, you know, losing the fight, I didn't have that. So for me, the work, you know, wasn't done. I still had to get back in there and, you know, get back to work.
0: Your best attribute is submissions. Do you worry about facing a guy whose nickname is Slippery Pete and uh, the fact that he might be able to slip out of your submissions?
3: Uh, Everybody, I don't know. You you base it so much off of the guy's footage, and he doesn't look too slippery from his footage. But um, I don't know. I've faced some really scrambly guys. It's not always even the best jiu-jitsu guys that have great defense. It's sometimes just the guys that are, um, you know, scrambly and really motivated to not, uh, you know, get choked out or to not get submitted. So I guess we'll see on Saturday.
0: Was one of the issues with your last fight the fact that Caceres is very similar to you? He's, he's got a really strong ground game. He's, uh, you know, a, a much improved striker over time. Uh, I, I saw a lot of similarities between the two of you, and you mentioned the experience factor might have just been too much to overcome.
3: Yeah, so the thing for me was uh, obviously the striking is very similar. Like, he, he likes to be a guy on the outside, which is more what I was used to. Um, as being the person on the outside, being the longer guy, being the aggressor, or not the aggressor, more the counter striker, um, but with him, with m- like more of his uh, like karate type of style, I didn't want to get you know spin kicked in the head on TV. So a lot of my striking for that camp was focused on shutting that down, um, which is one of the few like good takeaways from that fight. Was I was able to kind of shut that down effectively. Um, I was able to pressure him, but I ended up fighting him too short. I ended up fighting him like, a, you know, like I was the shorter guy of the two of us. And obviously being a guy like Caceres, he has so much, um, put into his striking that, you know, his other kind of, for the grappling more, he seems to be such a good, like counter grappler. Um, he was really good at just kind of pushing away and getting back to where he wanted to be. And, uh, you know, I obviously should have been working on the wrestling more, but, uh, you know, it's a little too late for that. Are you the type of guy that goes back and watches the
0: fight and kind of dissects it and finds where you went wrong? Or are you, you know, an on-to-the-next kind of guy?
3: I'll usually, uh, like, watch the fight maybe the day after, um, you know, win or lose, and then kind of, yeah, pick some stuff up. And then kind of going on whatever I remember. If I... I don't like to watch it back too many times, but, um, you know, once or twice is fine. So how many times did you watch this one back? Uh, probably about that, but I just kind of had everybody, um, I don't know. It was plain to me what I did wrong. So I feel like I didn't need the specifics so much. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, okay, I need to work on the, uh, obviously the striking, obviously the wrestling and, you know, getting to where I want to be. Which is on the ground. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of trying to become a more well-rounded fighter so that I can compete with these guys that are, you know, such veterans and like having all of this. You have UFC experience um, while I'm, you know, trying to catch up.
0: This might be a weird question, but how present are you in the moment? Like when you're in that fight with Caceres, are you just like so zoned in that you're just kind of working on muscle memory, or are you able to kind of like? Say to yourself, oh, I messed that up, and and
3: get in your own head. I think I'm getting more to the second side of things, where I'm able to kind of dissect it a little more. Um, We'll obviously see when the lights come on and all that. But uh, usually I'm more on autopilot, and it's like small kind of corrections in my head. Um, Like I'm not thinking about too much, because I feel like you have very little time to think. Um, Like you can't react while you're thinking about it, it's just uh, kind of whatever happens is going to happen. But there's small corrections like, okay, I need to do this better. Or like, oh, maybe next time he does that, I'll kind of, um, you know, hit him with the straight or something like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's more uh, autopilot for me. So your last fight took place uh, at the
0: Apex, just like your contender series fight. Um, but the one prior to that was in the arena, was at T-Mobile. How, how do you differentiate those two experiences? And which do you prefer?
3: Uh, I really liked... I don't know. They're both uh, just kind of so so much on the next level of what I was used to. Um, as far as, like, the warm-up stuff and the walkout, everything's so, like, professional and high-level with UFC. Like, uh, you know, some places that I fought, you literally just warm up on, like... Uh, tarmac, you know, they have a little tent for you outside and like you have to keep your shoes on the whole time type of thing. Um, but here we all get our own little warm-up rooms. Um everything's like, you know, on the clock. You're not kind of waiting there for too long. Um I really do like the expedited process of the Apex shows right now. Um the only thing is I as far as warm-ups go, I'm the guy that likes to be there for 3 or 4 hours just kind of working out the whole time. But, um, you know, with the Apex shows, you have probably like an hour or two to warm up, um, which is still good, but they just kind of, um, I don't know, it's run so smoothly that it's, um, it's hard to find anything that I don't like about the shows.
0: What's your worst or sketchiest regional MMA moment?
3: Ooh. Um, well, I actually had to do some, like, media stuff with a MMA promoter and essentially the dude got like hammered while we were doing the stuff and he like kind of drunk drove us back because we were um in from out of town he drunk drove us back and was like hitting uh like the little delineators in the middle of the road with his truck and he like his truck was like smoking when we got back and it was just like a such a weird experience because you're like you can't do anything but you feel like I don't know just ready to uh, you're like kind of bracing for impact the whole time it was just such a weird experience and it doesn't even have to do with the fight
0: how much did you make for that fight and was it worth it to go through that experience
3: <laughs> Uh, they probably paid me a couple grand um, which at the time was pretty good um, but At the end of the day, it's always fun to have these stories of like just the sketchy stuff that happens on the local shows. And um, yeah, I'm kind of in it for the story as far as that one goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good to have the story because the alternative is not so great.
3: (laughs) Yeah, not having the
0: story, (laughs) meaning (laughs) that it ends poorly. (laughs) Well, I'm happy that uh, that didn't occur, of course. Uh, And uh, you've got a big fight this weekend, Peter Barrett. What do you know about Peter? You know, from watching his fights... Where do you think you can take advantage of him most?
3: Uh yeah, I guess there's so many factors that I feel like you can't really you can't like bet on him too much until you are actually in there and you can actually see what the guy's going to do. But um he seems to be a guy that likes to come forward a lot and uh you know, he likes to grapple up against the cage, which I feel will be real nice if he um if he tries to initiate the grappling, then I'm going to be, you know, kind of where I want to be anyways. Um, it's just kind of making sure that I get held down and kind of outpointed. pointed. Um, because from some of his fights, it seems like he doesn't have a problem doing that. He doesn't have a problem just kind of more wrestling and, uh, you know, using that style to just kind of run the clock and win rounds that way. Are you excited to meet Charles Oliveira? Have you met him?
0: I mean, I imagine as somebody who's really into grappling and submissions, that this guy is probably someone you look up to.
3: Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen him around yet, but I saw, uh, like Mackenzie Dern and her dad, who's a huge uh, jiu-jitsu like legend, yeah, and uh, yeah, saw Figueroa and uh, maybe I did see Oliveira. Yeah, I did see him actually.
0: I forgot that you have Dern on the card, too. I mean, as somebody who follows Jiu-Jitsu. I'm sure seeing her yeah. was probably pretty cool.
3: Yeah, it's a huge... Uh, there are a lot of great grapplers on this card. Uh, Jacare as well, I think, is still on the card.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a lot of legendary grapplers. I didn't even think about that and put two and two together there. And you're like the next the next class. You're like the Saved by the Bell, the new class of uh, of grapplers.
3: Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I can live up to it.
0: Well, well uh we'll we'll definitely check that out this weekend um uh, Ben Askren is somebody you've been hanging out with a little bit doing videos with uh what was it like hanging out with Ben uh in Wisconsin
3: Uh it was a good time. I I love doing stuff like uh training trips when I'm not dieting. That's like the biggest part for me is getting to go and travel somewhere else and then, you know, enjoy myself food-wise at least. But um yeah, we had a great time uh filming stuff we're actually putting it out on u f c fight pass um they've been kind of slowly dropping the stuff this week um but yeah, I had a good time he's like a he's a normal dude he's super cool uh and yeah i uh you know got him to buy me some food put me up in his uh i got to stay in his house actually with him him and his family. That was a good time. did
0: you ask him to pay you in bitcoin?
3: yeah, I did uh we'll see. Still waiting on that. Does your actual dad look anything like Ben Askren? No, not at all.
0: <laughs> you should, I'm curious as to what he looks like, just from from this whole uh, this whole relationship you have with Ben. But uh, I'm sure that you'd probably rather just people believe that
3: Ben Askren's your father. Yeah, it's essentially kind of the opposite of me right now. Just kind of take this and like switch it to the bottom. Nothing on the top, but all this on the bottom.
0: All right. Well, I'm having trouble picturing it, but uh, he, I'm sure he's a very nice fellow. Uh, And I appreciate your time, Chase. Thank you for this, Uh, this weekend yourself, Peter Barrett, UFC 256. Uh, Best of luck to you. Hey, thank you. I'm now joined by the Monkey King, Jordan Levin. I like you, man. Uh, You're an interesting guy. You know, a lot of these mixed martial artists are very quirky, but they hide those quirks. You're very outright with that, and I like that.
5: Oh, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Well, first off congrats on uh your upcoming uh fatherhood. This is your first uh, child on the way?
5: Yeah, my my daughter gets here in February. Yeah. My first one, but hopefully the first of many, I guess.
0: Well, I've got 3, so I mean, you know, it's it's easy to hope for them when you don't have any, but uh you know, I I think that uh it's it's certainly a very rewarding experience being a parent and uh, so congratulations to you and your wife and uh Thank you. That that should be a fun journey for you, just as this ha- year has been for you uh, on the Dana White Contender Series, and uh, now in the UFC, winning your debut. Uh, you seem very, very um, affected by how you won that fight, you know, I, 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 I'm guessing that you prefer to win your fight in a way that isn't as damaging to your opponent, uh, and the way that that played out, it seemed like a, a pretty scary situation.
5: Yeah. Um... I guess you probably. I guess I should have been more uh, mostly prepared for that kind of outcome, but in my head, I didn't. I never saw myself winning that way. Slams are very brutal types of. It's a very brutal type of knockout, and didn't want to win that way. But you know, when you're fighting, you have to take the wins and take the moves that are presented to you. But um, yeah, especially when you didn't wake up for a few minutes, it got me all worried a little in my feelings because especially because I was a big fan of Matt Wyman when I was younger. So, it was a little difficult, but wasn't as difficult as as I think it was for his wife and she had a pretty pretty good really admirable um composure about the whole thing and yeah, I had mixed feelings. I was happy for the win, but I'm unhappy that um Matt had to get hurt.
0: you said you didn't uh, visualize it that way. I've heard an interview with you in the past where you talk about how when you visualize these fights, you visualize yourself losing in an array of ways. You don't visualize visualize yourself winning. You visualize your your opponent having all of the answers to everything that you throw at them. Why is that? You know, a lot of the people that use visualization as a tool visualize visualize themselves winning in all kinds of different ways.
5: Like, momento mori. You got to remember that someday you'll die. And for me... um, I always feel like when I focus on the worst case scenario, and I make peace of that worst case scenario, any other outcome, any other outcome will kind of be a positive outcome when I see it that way. So if I if you make peace the worst, then the best will always. Anything else will be a good blessing.
0: So when you go in there, do you do you have a nervousness because you've pictured yourself losing in all of these ways previously? Um. No, I've never really had problems
5: with um anxiety or nervousness during the fight part actually. Um, The walkout, nerve-wracking, after the fight, nerve-wracking. But when you're there, you know, I train every day. I spar every day. I prepare myself. So it's never, the fight's never really been nerve-wracking for me because we do that every day.
0: That's a good way of looking at it. And I'm thinking that because you visualize yourself losing before the fight, um, you mentioned that when you like, when you see your opponent for the first time, that's the part where your nerves kind of die down because you, you get to humanize them. You get to see that they're your height or smaller or, you know, around your size and not this, you know... One of the craziest things for me covering this sport when I first started covering it was how small everybody is because when you see them on TV doing big things, larger-than-life things, you picture them as uh, being so much bigger. But uh, like you said, when, you, when you're face-to-face with them, that's probably when all of those anxieties go away because the, the person that you're visualizing as being this kind of monster is now just like you.
5: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's very easy to be intimidated by some kind of vague like, fighting avatar, but when you see them as a person and you see their dimensions and you see them all sunken up at weigh-ins and you see their, their, their corner and their family and they're just as nervous as they are, it just makes them seem a lot more like you and no reason to be worried about somebody who's on the same standing as you are.
0: So let's rewind a little bit. How did you get into the sport? What made you decide to become a martial artist? Um,
5: it's actually funny. I joined the wrestling team my freshman year of high school, but wrestling was very hard. I wasn't really prepared for it, so I quit. But the day that I quit, I turned on the TV, and um, The Ultimate Fighter Season 10 was on, Rashad vs. Rampage, and I was watching the episode. I'm like, this is a little weird, and then I saw him get in the cage and start to fight, and I was like, oh, I want to do this. This is totally up my alley. And so that Christmas I asked for a punching bag, and then the following year I started going to the old tap-out gym here, and haven't looked back since.
0: So are you a native Las Vegan?
5: Yeah, I'm a fourth generation Las Vegan. Um, yeah, my great-grandma moved here, and my all my roots are here.
0: Ah, so that's interesting. You know, the the fact that you were only able to discover the UFC at that age, uh, it's interesting because it was probably all around you
5: mm-hmm. yeah i 'd heard of mixed martial arts, but i it 's weird I was like thinking like still like karate and judo, I thought like mixed martial arts just meant you'd be training several martial arts, but it was kind of still um, yeah i didn 't think i didn 't I thought of it more of as an art than it was a, than it, than as a sport, so when I saw it like in a cage and ears and shorts and these little leather gloves, it definitely was not the image i had in mind
0: what was the first event you ever attended
5: the first event i ever attended was kane velasquez versus bigfoot 2 that was my first mma event
0: so that's somewhat recent and when when was that about? like six seven years ago yeah okay. i i never got the
5: see fights live i never um had an interest in them but one day i was given it one day my friend's dad had tickets and they gave it to me. And I finally saw my first live fight. But yeah, um I I always I I prefer to watch things on the screen. I've only been to three or four or five events, fight events that I wasn't cornering for. I definitely prefer to watch it from the comfort of my own home and my cat, on my couch and everything. But yeah, Bigfoot versus Cain Velasquez two. Fight was over very quickly. I remember that fight fired
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if Bigfoot does. Like you said, it was a very fast, uh, fast win for Kane Velasquez. <laughs> uh, I'm interested. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm interested in the dynamic at Syndicate. I mean, there's yourself, uh, Roxanne Modafferi. Um, you know, you got Filthy Tom Lawler. It must be a lot of fun going out uh, with the Syndicate MMA gang, going to uh, to k- karaoke and things of that nature. It just seems like a really uh, loose vibe there.
5: Oh yeah, like there's a lot. You could definitely argue that there are better gyms or more um, decorated gyms, but I definitely don't think any gym has as much fun as we do. Um, lots of joking around, lots of you know, we we really like we really care for each other. We really take care of each other, and lots of positive vibes here. And yeah, like I'm very lucky to came that I came to a gym right off the bat that the vibe was just so relaxed and the people were just so welcoming and yeah we're a family here we're not just a fight team
0: i think uh you and Roxanne have a very similar vibe you're very upbeat very happy and uh and into lots of nerdy stuff which is cool but i mean cool for at least for me
5: <laughs> yeah um roxy was actually has been a big inspiration to me during my fight career in the way i present myself um we're both very square very nerdy very um proper and i i, I used to have concerns about having to change my personality to fit with the whole fit in the whole fighter mold. Um, and I had con- anxieties and concerns about whether or not um, I could be successful or people would even be interested in watching me fight as a person. But you know, when you have Roxy is kind of like a pillar and as an example, it kind of makes you feel more confident in being yourself. And that's definitely one thing I've learned from her is just basically if you're genuine, people will like you no matter if you're a genuine nerd or you're happy Or, you know, maybe you're not violent. As long as you're genuine and you could fight, you'll have a fan base and people will care about you.
0: (laughs) What's the nerdiest thing you're into? If you were to pick one thing. Ooh.
5: Crap, I'd pick one thing? Um. I guess, ooh. I just like to read a lot of high fantasy. Like, Wheel of Time, Game of Thrones, um... Joe Abercrombie. I like to read a lot of high fantasy books. I'm about to jump into some science fiction though um i just i read a lot of stuff i I read a lot of stuff I play a lot of r p g games i watch anime I'm a very basic nerdy guy um yeah that's about all
0: <laughs> I like that basic nerdy guy you're you're into the very base level uh, of nerdy things you don't go you don't go beyond you don't go way outside the box
5: yeah I'm not learning Klingon or something but you know. I'll be friends with people like that, and I like to watch the shows.
0: (laughs) So what is it that you like the most about training, about fighting, the whole, I guess the whole package? What's the thing about it that you enjoy the most? One thing I really like is that fighting
5: is, like there's a duality to it. Like there's a science part of it, like there's things that will happen if you do this, but there's also an art part of it where you get to express yourself, or you get to find new, you get to find different solutions to the same problem. And I really like how in fighting I get to solve a puzzle and I get to um, figure out a way to beat these opponents and figure out new solutions to certain situations you get stuck in. And that's definitely my favorite part of fighting is the mental aspect of it.
0: That's one of the really cool things about the sport. I always talk about how the sport is still in its embryonic phase. Like The sport is still so young. And you see all of these things that 10 years ago people had no answers to, and now people don't even attempt them because they're so easy to thwart. The game just keeps evolving in that way, and that must be one of the more exciting things for being a fighter right now, is learning new things that have never been tried before, and, and then attempting them and seeing you know, how they work.
5: Yeah, the, the whole, the way the meta shifts constantly, not to use a video game term, but the way the meta shifts constantly in fighting, it's just super interesting. I'm like wall walking, how that changed everything, about how the front kicks to the face changed, the the addition of spinning attacks, leg locks, and how different tactics fall in and out of favor constantly. It definitely makes the sport very interesting and fun to follow. Like a lot of other sports, you know, since you mentioned they're a lot older, the change is a lot more slow and progressive. But in MMA, like 2019, could be so different from 2020 in the use of tactics. And it's super cool because that basically just means like The more flexible the sport is, the more the wider array of techniques that will be displayed.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, people are always asking, you know, who do you want to fight next? What do you want to do next? I like that you you're kind of like, I'm just going to take a step back for now. I'm becoming a dad and uh, I'm not really thinking about that right now. Uh, You're not expecting to fight again until, you know, middle of next year, most likely.
5: Yeah, definitely not until after the baby comes um, late January, early February. I guess I could fight on December 19th. I guess something fell off that was perfectly suited for me, I'd be down for that. But um, I just want to ride this one out. I got a nice bonus. So I'm not hurting for money for one of the first times in my life. And yeah, I'm just going to wait. But yeah, I see no point in calling people out. The sport changes so quickly because if I call someone out, they they may lose two fights before I fight again. So I'll just wait until I'll wait and see how things are in a few months and then I'll maybe call somebody out if I have to.
0: Are you hinting at something for December 19th? Anything you heard? You, you've got your ear to the ground. You're in Las Vegas.
5: I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I, I have no...
0: For someone who lives in Las Vegas, you've got a terrible po- poker phase. I'm just letting you know. But continue?
5: Yeah, I mean, we'll <laughs> see. There, there might be some cards that... Could, might be some fights that'll fall off, and there might be some catch weights in my future. But I, I, I can't say anything for sure. I don't know.
0: Like I said, not a great poker face for someone who lives in Las Vegas. We'll just leave it at that and we'll we'll see what this well, I got to get this interview out quickly. I'm th- I'm thinking before uh, some, some some sort of news comes out. <laughs>
5: Maybe you might want to post this today. We'll see.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh if if that does happen in December, I'm looking forward to it. I think your uh, your previous fight was uh, was certainly a lot of fun to watch. Um I always think that the uh who you know, who do you want to fight next question is one of the more played out uh questions because fighters when they're done they're thinking about, you know, the next meal. I mean, that's probably what's more top of mind than uh, trying to picture the next person you're going to spend months training for to get into a cage to, to face off against.
5: Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, Jordan. It's nice to get to meet you and uh, looking forward to whatever's next. It might be in a couple of weeks. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I never, I never,
5: no one can ever know what's going to happen in this fight game. And I'm thankful for you taking the time out to talk to me and hopefully I'll talk to you again sometime.
0: I'm pleased to be joined now by one of the top Canadians and uh, the top Latvian in the sport of uh, mixed martial arts. It's Misha Surkinov. Uh Thanks for joining me, Misha. Obviously, some tough news last week. Your fight uh, with Ryan Stan, uh, Ryan Span, rather Brian Stan, long retired. Ryan Span, uh, unfortunately postponed. Uh, so tell me about what's going on.
6: Yeah, no, it's just you know, 2020 in general built, been kind of a crazy year. Um, started you know started really good, started training, and then got first injury. You know, and then. Uh, then covet uh, couldn't train for some time and now literally like three weeks before the fight just got another injury luckily nothing major um so just need a little bit of more time so the fight will be the fight is still happening it's a really good fight uh so the fight is going to get rescheduled on a little later date uh, but it's a good fight unfortunately we couldn't do it on the 19th but uh, we're going to do it in uh, uh, 2021 so, uh, you know, I just cannot go in uh injured, so I just needed extra time.
0: Are you certain that Ryan Spann is going to be the opponent because he posted something on social media recently that he he doesn't want anybody to reach out to him. He's not thinking about fighting right now. Uh, I don't know if you had heard anything about that
6: i uh, you know I, I didn't hear anything about uh about that, but i just I just know that you know unfortunately it just didn't happen this time, but you know I'm definitely willing to to do it. Uh, to do it in a later date so uh we'll see what we'll see what happens like i'm not 100 percent sure yet but uh um yeah i'll be i'll be i'll be good to go in a 2021
0: and you're thinking what like early 2021 5th, january february march kind of thing
6: yeah maybe sometime yeah some, something like that
0: well that's good to hear it's good to hear that you're getting back in there i know this year you haven't had the opportunity to fight but you were training in uh, different spots if i if i recall you went to Australia. is, is that right?
6: I yeah it was uh, last year I went to uh, New Zealand actually um Auckland New Zealand at uh, City Kickboxing gym.
0: And how was that experience for you?
6: You know it's really good um it was a good eye opener it was good to see how guys train on the other side and uh Israel Dasanias' gym uh how how they train over there. And uh, what kind of routines they keep and uh, it was a really good eye-opener and it was good to see how they move and um, and uh, what makes them successful um, to be honest with you before I went there I didn't even know that's that's the gym I'm gonna end up uh, training at and I was helping one of the fighters there with the ground game and uh, yeah it was just good good experience in general you know I got uh, some uh, I got the chance to cross uh, cross train with some of uh, New Zealand, like also top coaches, and just good experience in general. I'm I'm really glad I had that opportunity
0: to do it. And once things open up a little bit more, are you planning on doing that again next year? If, if I mean, if it's possible, who knows what's going to happen uh, going forward in terms of this pandemic?
6: Yeah, you know, nowadays we we don't know what's going to happen um, through like it's just crazy times, you know. Uh, But if I get opportunity, I just I love traveling in general and learning and, you know, and showing certain stuff that I know. And uh, and uh, yeah, definitely, I would love to travel all over the world again and, uh, you know, get better and uh, just, you know, advance as a fighter.
0: Interestingly, uh, Ryan Span's last opponent was uh, Johnny Walker. And he you and him got in touch when he came to Las Vegas and you ended up cornering him. How did that all come together?
6: Yeah, um me and Johnny like after the fight we, we've just been talking. He, Johnny's like is a, a good guy, uh good energy. So we actually been doing some training together too. Um it was really good for me to get to train with him just to, you know, feel a uh, a taller um athletic explosive opponent and get the a chance to train with him and kind of like feel him out and learn how to deal with that kind of specimen um it was just good experience in general i helped him he helped me and uh yeah and then he helped uh, he asked me to corner him and uh kind of he kind of went from there
0: he didn't teach you any dance moves of any sort uh couple moves yeah a couple moves <laughs> uh,
6: some uh some brazilian uh secret moves
0: there all right well hopefully we can see those uh be, get put to use in your next flight. so uh what's what's life been like uh for your wife this year i know she um does some modeling and i uh, obviously traveling must be difficult uh given this whole situation how's she been keeping it? is she with you in vegas or back in canada
6: uh right now she's in las vegas she's doing um for like last was the past year already she's just been doing like a lot of school stuff um So she's like studying a lot. She's taking a couple uh, courses and uh, she's just doing that. And everything right now is online. So she doesn't need to travel and go to actual class. So, you know, it's actually really convenient because she can uh, do the schooling from from home nowadays. Um, So, yeah, so she's kind of full time doing school.
0: So for next year if Ryan span uh, doesn't end up Ryan Ryan span I'm getting Brian Stan and Ryan span mixed up in my head it's, it's messing with me but if Ryan span doesn't end up becoming your opponent for next year uh, early on are you open to facing anybody pretty much uh, early in the year
6: yeah uh, once I you know feel a little better twenty twenty one beginning of the year I'm definitely looking to step in the cage and uh, whoever it is uh, I'm gonna test some of my new weapons and some of my new strategies and uh, yeah, it's going to be, I'm planning on having 2021 as the best year that I ever had. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for 2021.
0: How much better would you say you've gotten? I mean, taking a year away, you were injured for some of it, but a lot of the time you were training and learning some new tools. How much of a difference are we going to see between the last Misha circanov we saw in 2019 and the one that we see in 2021?
6: You know, with, with fighting... It's kind of like you always, when you're training and you're sparring at the gym and you're seeing new different people come and you always advance, you always learn. And I I feel like I improved uh, definitely a lot in uh, many different aspects of the game and um, just got a little bit more technical everywhere. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited to go in and try new weapons. I feel like. I'm definitely going to be, I can surprise people kind of from anywhere, really. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just, uh, it's going to be exciting. You know, just still some work needs to be done. But, uh, yeah, 2021, I'm planning having uh, at least, you know, two, three fights and um, starting the year really, really good.
0: Is it encouraging to have a champion uh, like Jan Blachowicz now? You look at what he went through in his career in the UFC, very similar to yours, kind of up and down, but we, we always knew that he uh, was very talented, just like yourself. Is it is it nice to see somebody with that kind of a career trajectory end up as the champion?
6: Yeah, that's actually a cool thing you brought it up. Um, it's very, 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 very nice to see someone, Jan Blachowicz. Like, I met him, he's a very nice guy. Uh, but also... He's a hard worker. Nothing came out, came by kind of easy. And uh, yeah, I see some similarities. And I'm not, you know, there, there are like a lot of frustrating moments with fighting in general. It's kind of like a roller coaster. You know, you win, you're on top of the world, you lose, you feel like everything is ending. And so it's very kind of like ups and downs. But after hearing a couple of his interviews and how he was talking and I was like, man, like a lot of times I kind of like I felt exactly the same way. And um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of like hearing uh, all those kind of things. is very encouraging and um, it's very nice uh, how he talks about it. And I just feel that um, I'm in a kind of similar position and I know just the main thing, just never get frustrated, keep working hard and uh, good things will come.
0: The division now, it looks like Israel Adesanya is actually going to get the next shot. Somebody who you, you trained with, I guess, earlier this year, or uh, late last year, rather. Uh, wh- how do you think that goes? Do you think Israel is doing this to ultimately build up a, a big fight against John Jones? Or why do you think he's decided to make the move up?
6: You know, Israel Adesanya is extremely technical and uh, he's also very athletic. So he brings a lot of threat for any weight anyway class. Especially 185 because his frame is so tall and so lanky. At 205, he's going to be also extremely dangerous. Um, However, he's facing Jan Blažević, and uh, for so many fights he's been an underdog. And you know, this fight, some days I think, okay, I I put my money on Jan, and some days I'm like, okay, maybe I should put my money on Israel. You know, it's one of those fights that it's like it it can go either way. but having said that, you know, a lot of people maybe don't know, but Israel, as the signer, he actually used to compete in kickboxing at the way, like at the, I think at open weight class, like a heavyweight class. So he has experience of dealing with heavy duty punchers and he, you know, he does really, really well because he's really fast and still athletic and has good reach and it's very technical. So it's, it's going to be really hard to penetrate through his defense. Um, however, however, I think Jan Blackovic is going to be a good, good real threat for that because because Ian Blackovic can go forward, he can take a punch and he can return one. So we're going to really see if Israel will be able to take one of the Jan Blackovic punches as well. So it's really really cool
0: fight. Have you closed the door on 185 pounds? I know in the past we've talked about how if you ever really wanted to make 185, you probably could you know
6: maybe in the future uh like right now i feel like um i've been adding kind of like i've been i've been i've been training with like many different uh you know 205ers and heavyweights and i know that like my power and all that like belongs at 205 no problem but maybe down the road who knows anything's possible but for now i i, I feel good for now i feel good like i've been you know, getting better. And I feel like 205, I can I can do really, really well at 205.
0: One year from today, who's the champion at 205?
6: Uh, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, in one year from now, it all depends how... There's like a few tough, tough up-and-comers. I think that um, obviously we're going to see how that fight going to go with Israel Asani and... Jan Blakovic and um, from one year, I don't know. It's either going to be for some reason I think it's going to be one of the up-and-comers. I think we're going to see a new, I think I think we're going to see a new champion. I don't think it's going to be Jan Blakovic or Israel Desanya. For some reason, at the end of 2021, we're going to see a new face.
0: Who are some of the new faces that you're looking at, like Rakic, uh, Prochaska, guys like that?
6: No, uh, there's those guys, yeah, and then there's also guys like you know Kalayev and you know and uh, some couple other guys too. I think that division, I think that division is uh, very dangerous, and um, and uh, people will see new faces, yeah. Just because current champion right now is doing well doesn't mean anything. Like in MMA one fight changes everything you know we we've seen that with reyes we've seen it with you know many 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 guys so i think there's going to be a new champion
0: do you train with francis out of curiosity i know you're at extreme couture but do you ever uh spar with him or anything along those lines
2: yeah yeah yeah.
6: we uh we do some uh, sparring and uh, some grappling time to time he's just um you know one of the strongest and probably Best natural athletes that I ever had a chance to work with, uh, that would be Francis Nagano. Yeah, he's just, he is truly uh, what a specimen. Just like a crazy athlete, you know, very, very super strong, super strong. And um, in a rematch with Stipe, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. He's uh, working hard on his technical aspect of the game and I think he's going to bring a lot more to the table uh, in their rematch.
0: I'm not sure if it'll be a surprise. I think he's going to be favored again in, the, in this rematch. It's You know, I feel bad for Francis because he's having trouble getting fights. In the last, I think it's been maybe two and a half years or a year and a half, uh, since, since basically the Stipe fight. I think he's only had like a total of four minutes of in-cage time when it comes to the actual fights. So that's obviously his own fault because he's beating these guys so quickly. But... I, I really wish that we had the ability to see more from this guy in the cage because I'm sure that there's a lot that he can do that we just don't get a chance to see.
6: A hundred percent, you're hundred percent right. And it's funny how you say like there's not that many, not that many people want to fight him. And uh, can you imagine? It's kind of like same goes to training. There's actually not that many people want to train with him too, because um, in in practice he's just first of all he's so big, right? He's like he's about I don't know like two hundred and seventy five. Something like that pounds, so he needs to cut down to make the the limit for the heavyweight. And then on top of that, it's not just it's not that he has excess of like weight or anything. Where it's all muscle, you know. Like so once he, once he's on top, and even if you have like a good jujitsu, he just puts so much pressure uh, everywhere just because he's so physical. And uh, yeah, no, he, he's very hard. He's having a hard time uh, training, training, uh, finding training partners too, not just fights.
0: Now, you don't strike me as somebody who uh, is easy to shake, but the first time they said, we want you to get in there and spar with uh, Francis, uh, how did that go? How did you feel when you're looking across from the, the cage at this guy? What's, the, what's that like for the first time?
6: Uh, it's, you know, what I actually, first time I seen him at the gym, I was actually really excited. Like, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, like, move around with him and see just, like, how it feels, you know, like I spar with many different people. And, yeah, no, Francis, he, surprisingly, for heavyweight, he's quick and he's rich, uh, his hands are so long. And for someone who is big, uh, and like, so muscular, he's surprisingly also quick. Um, and he sometimes, you know, when, when, when you feel like you have some distance between you and him, he closes that gap pretty quick just because of the reach. Uh, he can kind of like touch you from like a longer distance than you probably would think. And, uh, but yeah, no, it was amazing training. There were a couple of times where I was like a couple like, holy, uh, the, some of those moments, you know, when he was throwing those uppercuts. And I was kind of like uh, remembering the fight with uh, Alistair Overeem. It was kind of like similar kind of uppercuts he was throwing. But yeah, no, you just have to be careful tr- uh, working with him because uh, just, just, you know, freak of an athlete and just you got to be you got to be careful not to get injured.
0: I don't think you need to explain why you need to be careful to, uh, training with Francis again. It's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But he's a good guy. Uh, there's a lot of tough guys at Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. It's kind of like um, it's a good gym in terms of uh, for MMA. You know, there's like a lot of uh, tough names that go by, and we can cross train, and you get to feel different uh, experiences. It's, it's definitely a cool experience.
0: Give me one name from Extreme Couture that you think has. Championship potential one day that maybe maybe is is kind of under the radar right now.
6: Um, there's like a couple of guys like in the uh, lighter weight classes, uh, Dan Ige, but also like a you know two hundred five. We have I uh, have a new training partner. I started training with him a lot. He actually fought um, on Saturday Saturday night. Uh, Roman Dolizay, he's a great fighter. I think he wants to down the road go to one eighty five. Uh, but he's like really technical and um just like good natural fighter um and then there's Ronnie Marks he has been working really really hard he's fighting uh he has a fight coming up in Bellator there's like there's always some guys that come in and uh uh the guy and Kalayev was at extreme couture training for some time too there's always somebody comes in and uh um Everyone, sometimes when people come in and travel from all over the world and they're actually staying here, you can tell that they want to benefit their career and they want to, they're serious about it. So when you train with those kind of people, you can, you can, you can feel their presence and their kind of want of, uh, to be successful. So just in general, there's like a lot of good training. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like young up and comers, like don't blink on them, like. They work hard and uh, they'll be known. Like uh, Israel Desantis said, from the bleachers, from those bleachers to what, well, no bleeds to making those bleeds. So, yeah, up and comers. It's all about up, and comers. They're gonna drive the sport forward.
0: The leads they should stay at 205 because it, you know that there's guys in your division where if he throws those leg locks, they're not gonna know what to do. I mean, you look at how many people yeah. have tapped to the the Von Pru choke, the Von Fluchoke choke, OSP choke, yeah. whatever you want to call 100, 100, it. <laughs> you know, he can he can and, benefit off that.
6: Yeah, and Roman has great leg locks and just like great jujitsu in general for 205. He definitely uh, will elevate that uh, grappling kind of like a level of 205ers like uh, big time.
0: All right, Misha, I always enjoy picking your brain when it comes to talking about the sport. Hopefully, we see you in there sooner rather than later. Uh, whether it's against uh, Ryan Spann or someone else. Uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for this.
6: Thanks, thanks a lot, Thanks for your time, and I hope to talk to you again
0: soon. To our guests, Brandon Moreno, Tony Ferguson, Junior Dos Santos, Chase Hooper, Jordan Levitt, and Misha Zirkanov. a big thank you to all of you. Always appreciate you being on the show, and I appreciate you, the listener, for sticking with it. This is a lot of interviews. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to them. Subscribe, review the show. Always Love seeing positive reviews for the show, and uh, so does the algorithm for iTunes, so that's why I encourage you to do so. You know, you just got about an hour and a half of entertainment, and all I ask is that you give back with eh, five seconds of your time to give us a nice review. That's all. Don't ask much. I'm not asking for uh, Patreon money or anything like that, monthly uh, Indiegogo, anything along those lines. Just a nice review. That's all I ask. Thanks for tuning in.